everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are talking The Black Tides of Heaven by J.Y. Young. This is a fantasy novella. Um, it is labeled as Silk Punk. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about Silk Punk, Steve. Well, I was doing a little research on Silk Punk, and you would think that Silk Punk is um, got it's supposed to be like the edgy fantasy version of you know of asia with a uh, modern technology you know like like um cyberpunk would be right mm -hmm. um but it's not as a matter of fact it's more along the lines of sword and soul where one of the writers in the genre um lou i think his name is uh coined the term mm -hmm. on his own um so basically what you have is a blend of science fiction and fantasy um, that uses a lot of the tropes of um, Asian culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so instead of big steam engines, you have um, you know balloons made of silk or kites made of silk. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the things that you would associate with um, that, you know, like a uh, old timey Asia, right? Are, are, are going to be elements film. in here, right? So you're going to get a lot of bamboo, a lot of um, um, a lot of silk, obviously. Um, you have, um, you know, this particular book uses like the um, the, the the magic, quote unquote, is mm. based on uh, the five the idea of the five elements, right? right. Um, so, so you, it's definitely got that Asian flavor to it, um, and, and and honestly, this is the the first thing that I've read that is labeled as silk punk. So I couldn't tell you if um, that lack of edge, because it, it's not edgy. It doesn't have like that, 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 um, like William Gibson has it, you know, where it's just. Has that kind of noir yeah, feel to it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you don't get that with this. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that, that's, that's my take on it. Right, right. Well, I and, mean, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, like all the quote unquote punk, like cyberpunk. Which is the I don't originator? Read, I don't read any of the other punks, but cyberpunk. Right. So I, I don't know if if that noir feel is um, present in like steampunk or clockpunk, you know, whatever other punks there are. Diesel punk. Yeah. Well, I think the noir feel is in diesel punk because I mean that's it's it's the 1930s, 1930s, right. 1940s. So you know, it's kind of that cross between noir and pulp. But I, I think when like beyond um, cyberpunk, you mm -hmm. kind of have that the the it's that blending of fantasy and and uh, and reality, right, right. Steam engine computers stuff like that. But it see also seems to me that any anything that gets the quote you know noun punk appellation seems to not want to be included in the crowd of the old guard. Um, while right. this book, The Black Tides of Heaven, uh, is very much rooted in your basic fantasy tropes, I, I think that it's um, the author doesn't want to be lumped in with all the other fantasy authors, especially when science fiction and fantasy is filled with right-wingers. Right. And and it must be said that they wrote this and this no novella was up for the, um, was it the Hugo? I think so. 
um, the world 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 fantasy convention. I think that's the, so it was up for the for a Hugo, and it was definitely not on the uh, sad rabid puppy slates. Right, right. Um, and and it's part of the you know they are accused of of uh, pushing their agenda on uh, the poor science fiction community, the, de well, the, de the defenseless science fiction community. See, I, I don't understand that because the defenseless science fiction community are also the people who try to champion the rule, write what you know, and a transgender author, they're going to write what they know. And yeah. this is the world outside their window. This is the world outside our window. Well, right, and and I'll tell you what. Having read this, um, the initial confusion of of the of getting used to uh, they and their as pronouns for an individual. Mm -hmm. uh, once you get past that, for me, uh, um, it was just matter of fact. It was just part of the world, and there was no agenda pushing at all. I mean, it was oh, no. just part of the world building, really. Um, you know, the same way that like in a Philip Jose Farmer story, you would have like some weird sex shit with like five different genders um, that would actually be pushing it more because that would be vividly, you know, described in, in the text. So it would, you know, get mm -hmm. a better position in the anthology it was being published in or it was getting published in Playboy where you wanted to have like that um, salacious tidbits right as well this novella so, is not using um gender as a way to make a sensational story that would be you know cover story for weird tales or something like that this is no, not at all as you said part of the world building um and yeah it did take a little bit getting used to the uh non-binary pronoun particularly in this case because jy's main characters are twins right so you have they used as a as a singular non-binary pronoun and they use to refer to both twins acting right. simultaneously and and there and i guess i guess there should be a little bit of clarification so part of the, this world is um people are born genderless mm -hmm. um until they choose what gender they they are um, you know, they make a decision. I'm a boy. I'm a girl. Some don't even make that decision. Um, and then through the um, through surgery and application of the the uh, magic system, which we'll get into later, um, mm -hmm. they become the gender that they that they choose. Right. It almost it almost seems to me that um, development of the physical body where our DNA takes over and you know, switches us to one binary or another, um, seems to be arrested in the womb by the doctors. Right. Until the child gets to be at an age where they can make this decision. And you can be any age and make this decision. Right. And it's your decision to make. Right. However, you, it also... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's very analogous to puberty. Because in, in reality, you know, kids are kids. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of... You know, early gender roles are are because of socialization, right? Um, and then you know, the majority of kids born with a penis are going to end up um, identifying as male, and the majority of of kids um, born with a, with a vagina are going to identify as females, but not necessarily everyone, right? And, and here you just take away that physical, um, you know, trait. 
And right. and then when you reach the age where you know what you are, then then that's what you get. Right. Um, to me, it seems like the most horrifying aspect of this process is that once you decide, you go through puberty and into adulthood in a matter of weeks. Yeah, it's like um, they 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 in JY in JY Jack mentions like feeling your hips change shape. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's like kind of, this. kind of like a uh, like an insect that that um you know goes that that's a pupa that goes into a pupa stage mm -hmm. like a butterfly or or you know ants. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't necessarily seem to be the case that this is a practice for all cultures in this society. There are several cultures, right? We only get um, the, the 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 empire, the protectorates. Uh, point of view. We don't know what happens. There's a mention of a of a of a different continent in mm -hmm. the south, and uh, we don't. Well, yeah, we don't really know what mm -hmm. what goes on down there. We don't know if this is like the biological reality of this world, or if this is um, something that ended up being engineered. Uh, you just it's you know it's not part of the the context of the story, and and really for the for the purpose of the story, it doesn't matter. Right. Absolutely. We've spent a lot of time talking about it because it is one of the more striking pieces of world building. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's fairly unique. Mm -hmm. But, um, it is but otherwise, with the with the world building, it's pretty, pretty stock and trade. If you've watched um, Chinese movies like Hong Kong uh, costume pieces, whether they're martial arts movies or period dramas or things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, or even if you've watched the last Airbender, or yes, uh, the magic system struck me right away as being very easy to grasp. A lot of times, you'll read a magic system in a book, and they have to spend so many pages, kind of explaining, having to explain to you how magic works in this world. And in JY's book, it is very intuitive. And right, it, it's um, you know, if you have the knack for it, you can learn to do it yourself. Right, there's a very similar system in Naruto, mm -hmm. um, where, where the, the different shinobi um, have affinity towards different elements, mm -hmm. and the different the different elements manipulate. You know, not only just like fire isn't just for fire; it also has a, a greater sim symbolic right. meaning. Mm -hmm. So, and in this society, this is the other piece of world building that that is striking in this book is that instead of steam technology or or clockwork technology being the high elevation in this novella it's magitech that all right. the the devices and they have some pretty high-tech devices in this world cameras tape recorders um they have uh cars bugs they can record dreams mm -hmm. uh cars uh, various types of weaponry, uh, like uh, like a stun baton, and uh, and ev eventually a uh, a nuke. Yes, that was that was also very interesting. A mini nuke. Um, yeah, and and now <laughs> this kind of like tickled me a little bit that the um the 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 magic system is called slack, mm -hmm. and 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 you know to me when you say the word slack, I'm like oh it's Bob Dobbs. <laughs> Church right. of the Subgenius, right? And it, it's not, <laughs> but, uh, right. but they use the term slack a lot. 
<laughs> well, if, if you think about it, if you think about it in Star Wars, it's the force. Right? right. And in Black Tides of Heaven, it's the slack. Right. Well, so it's, it's slack. like it's more relaxed and groovy. Well, yeah. also, the people who manipulate the snack, the snack, the slack <laughs> are called uh, tensors, right? Mm -hmm. So you have slack and slack, slack and tensors. And tension, right? right. So they tense the slack. So it all makes sense. That's right. They take up the slack. We're on to you, JY. Yeah, maybe, maybe JY is um, uh, part of the, the church. Sub genius? Yeah. They very very well may be. Well, you know, I'm part of the heretical sect of the subgenius that says it's going to be an apathetic wave of dismissal, not a stark fist of removal. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this book is divided into four sections. Right. The first two sections are we get a little bit of the conflict in the world and the protectorate who is a de facto emperor uh, is at odds with the grand monastery because these are the two rival entities. Right. Because, you know, the monks are like, Hey man, just let, let people be people. Right. Yeah. And however, the they have their own tensors. They have, they train their pugilists. <laughs> um, and you have the protector who. Is almost like a shogun, like a, more of a military uh, ruler than a uh, she's, divine she's, right of kings, emperor type. She is a dictator. She's definitely uh, a dictator. Just, I mean, she, you know, when, when something goes, there's several things that, um, that flare up, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, one before the action starts. And then there's a couple things that happen during the action of the story. Right. And um, every time she is quick to suppress it. Right. Um, there's, there's always like the threat of civil war bubbling just under the thin veneer of civilized society here. Right. And there, and there has to be, because like it can't be a pleasant place to, to be living if you're not um, mm -hmm. part of the elite. Right. Right, which As a of fact, th th that's alluded to in the second part when they're in the market. Um, mm -hmm. They're talking to the common people who um, don't want to have anything to do with them. So this story follows these twins, like you had mentioned, um, and they are they're basically the twins of destiny, right? Moko and Keha, and they are the the last um, offspring of the protector, mm -hmm. um, and she really she had them uh, without a father through the slack. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and they were, she had them to uh, seal a bargain with the Grand Monastery. Right, because they um, loaned her some boxers to put down an insurrection. And right. so- And the, pri the price was one of her children was to become a monk. Right. The um, one that the Grand Abbot wanted was the youngest, uh, later became daughter youngest daughter and what ended up happening was that the protector uh conceived another child through the slack to give right. him that child right but she had twins which right. was a little bit unexpected yes the, the 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 original um child that that the that the uh, monk want the the abbot wanted um was too talented as a tensor mm -hmm. so uh the protector didn't want to give up that weapon more or less. Right. So she had these children who basically she considered to be right. 
Uh, I mean, she really, she had him to fulfill a bargain. That's the kind of, of person this, this protector is. Right. Eminently, eminently practical in all things, yes. but also very ruthless. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to the Grand Abbot, who is a very gentle sort of, sort of man, he's shrewd, but he's gentle. And there's an interesting interplay of hard and soft between the yeah. two of them. He, he, he's a bit naive. And he's old. And he's old. That's true as well. So the, these two end up um, growing up in the in the monastery until um, what Makoya? Yeah, Moko for short. Yeah, until Makoya, uh, they learn that they're a prophet. They have the gift of prophecy. They can see the future. Mm -hmm. And whatever they see happens. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, it's one of those prophecies where when you actively try to prevent it from happening, that's what sets it in motion. Kind of, right. Kind of deal. Exactly. Exactly. And so the protector wants Moko back. Yeah. Not Keha. Keha, you are unwanted. Sorry. Right. Keha yeah. being the other twin. Right. But it's like, look, mom, it's a package deal. You take one, right. you get deal. Yeah. Um, so you also get a, a little bit of insight into like how she the action sorts her own fucking kids. Mm -hmm. And she's pretty ruthless about that as well. Right. I mean, we don't see much We there. There are older siblings than even the youngest daughter. Mm -hmm. These are the three youngest. There are, there are older siblings who have fairly high ranking positions in the government now. Right. And they are all um, not appearing in this, in this book. Right. The, the, the interesting thing is um, in the second book, the second part. Mm -hmm. So the protector gets him back because the protector gets what the protector wants. Right. Um, they're older. It's what, 10 years have passed? Mm -hmm. Something like um, that. And they can only take them when they're six. So right. they're six, they develop their powers, and then they're back by the time they're 10. Right. And then the second part happens, they're coming of age. So they're around 18 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Makoya has made up their mind that they want to become female, mm -hmm. uh, which pisses Keha. Keha, thank you, off because they were always going to be nothing together. Right. They were going to be non-binary as twins. They, uh, they that, that was the plan. That was the plan. Uh, Moko meets uh, a gentleman named Thanajay who is destined to become the new abbot. Yes. Much to the chagrin of pretty much everyone, <laughs> except right. for the old abbot. Except for the old <laughs> abbot, right? And pretty much the, the implication is that Moko falls in love with Thanajay and decides that they want to be female in order to marry. Right. Although that appear, doesn't appear to be that big of a deal either. No, because um, Makeha does the unthinkable, and they decide to become male. Mm -hmm. um, and it's unthinkable because the protector, the family of the protector, has not um, had a male right. descendant living member. Right. They all they all become few. Mm -hmm. So now, one of the interesting things about that particular process is that the language of the world in this book has a female pronoun and a male pronoun. Personal yes. for I for self, right? 
and one of the one of the tests is which pronoun do you feel comfortable with what what resonates in your soul of souls right when you when you speak the words and we get a really interesting sequence where Keha decides to become male where he or they at the time are looking in front of looking at themselves in a mirror and using the fem- feminine personal pronoun and then using the masculine personal pronoun and JY describes it as this like resonant feeling in in, like a palpable physical sensation. Right. So I, I I just wanted to say that maybe earlier I was implying that this was a choice, but really it's not a choice being made. Um, It's just, yes, you're choosing male or female, but it's not like a whim. It's like you said, it's something that resonates within you. Right. It's it's kind of like a natural state of things. You 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 find out what is most harmonious with the world around you as well. Not meaning society, but the the entire whole of the natural world. This is where the five elements as being part of magic comes in. Right. Is that their interactions is what is the natural world. And you yourself are the interaction of these five elements. So, you know, when that when the word is spoken and there is a reaction on this almost metaphysical level, then you know what what the decision has to be and you conform to the way the universe wants it done. Right. Exactly. So just just to clear up any confusion that I might have mm-hmm. um, put in there with my language. So, right. Yeah, so the, the, the thing that, that struck me as being different, because we also just read recently read another um, uh, f- fantasy book that has like an Asian flavor. Um, mm-hmm. but the thing that struck me about this is that the approach to fantasy, the approach to storytelling is very different than what you would expect in Western. Right. Well, a lot of the tropes are there. I mean, we still get the aspects of the hero's journey, that mm-hmm. works itself into all fantasy. Right. But it, I think it's kind of subverted, especially towards the end. If you look at the way this ends, and we're not going to give away the ending because really you should read. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, there, there's a moment when, um, when, when a Keha is, uh, you know, should I, should I do it? Should I not do it? And the choice he makes is not the choice that 99.9% of other heroes would make in the same situation um because the struggle really wasn't between him and villain x <laughs> mm. i really don't want to spoil this the struggle right. really is is within himself to see um what what his identity is and where he stands in the universe mm. and and you know you yes you do get that sometimes um mm. avatar the last airbender comes to mind as <laughs> right. um right. The, the ending of of that um, comes to mind, and you know, there's definitely several um, stories where where the inner conflict is is played out more importantly than the physical conflict. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's very important. I mean, even in things like uh, Journey to the West, uh, you know, the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the personal themes are stronger than the external conflicts. Right. You have to. The external conflicts are mirrors of the personal conflicts and the hero aspires to this ideal of themselves 
they have the, this ideal of a of a perfect person, right? But Whereas what, Western heroes are, you know, it's all about the mission, the ends justifying the means. Right. Well, you will you will complete that mission, and if it conflicts with with uh, who you are, mm-hmm. um, you'll brood about it later, like Elric. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Elric's not going to like hesitate. He's going to cut down his enemy. Right, but later on he'll brood about you know. Right, he'll brood about it, Batman or yeah, or, exactly, you know, yeah, Conan or something like that. Like I said, ninety nine point nine nine percent of of what we get for fantasy, and I'm not knocking it because mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. Right, but you know, it's I'm just saying it's it's different. It's got a, it's a different aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 refreshing. Is what really what it is? Just you know, because it's not predictable. At the end, it went the way I didn't think it was going to. Hmm. Because I, you know, I, to, I figured that's the way it was going to happen. Well, to me, in the West, you know, that's the sacrifice you make for you know, saving the world. Mm-hmm. That's more important, though, you know, than you know your inner peace. Right, and you can brood about it later. <laughs> but there's also there is also a pragmatism in that decision as well. Yeah, and that you know, it and it, it, it that boiled down to the devil you know. I guess you know, and and also you know, it's like, look, this is the way I became in my. Keha runs away from the palace. We'll say that yeah. he runs away from the palace. He runs away after he becomes a male, so we can use this the the more masculine pronoun. Uh, he runs away from the palace. Realizes that Tanajay has feelings for him as well, which hey, cool. You know, I, that was that was kind of a that was kind of a bit of a, a little shocker moment because, you know, he left. He still left. And it's like, oh, well, what? We're not getting the big romance. Well, I mean, because, <laughs> you know, he couldn't betray his sister. Well, that's true. But I, it wasn't really seen that way. But or presented in such a way that it would be a betrayal is more like, no, dude, sorry. Got to bounce. <laughs> I'm unwanted. I got to got to live the, the life of the lone wolf. <laughs> I'm a smuggler. I'm a loner, Santa Jay. I'm a rebel. <laughs> I got to go out there and find my own way. He does become a smuggler. He does become a smuggler. Uh, and he will he will do anything, no matter how despicable it is, as long as it does not involve the... Right. Now, which is very interesting because the rules Keha gives for smuggling are very similar to the rules Jason Statham has in the transporter. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell Never you. look in the package. <laughs> no questions. Overall, I thought it was it was very satisfying read. The pacing really shifted gears around part three. So about three quarter halfway to three quarters of the way through the book, you are is when you shift gears and, and things start like really happening. Yeah, so it's like the first half of the book is really just the background setting mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. Um who these characters are, what their situation is. And then uh, once it becomes uh, Keha's story mm-hmm. proper, um, right. that's when it really becomes um, interesting as a story. So mm-hmm. you've got all the world building out of the way. And it was done cleverly. It wasn't like exposition. Right. Um, it was just... Uh, right. There, I, was no, there was no prologue a thousand years ago when the world was new. Yes. You know? Way before Atlantis and, and sank into the ocean. Right. <laughs> JY, thank you for not doing that. So many fantasy authors do put prologues to explain the the magic 
magical devices or the world right. that we live in. You just but, threw us in waist deep and said, there you go, motherfucker, swim. Yeah, but I mean, it really was a prologue because, you know, it set everything up. It, it gave you all the information you need to know mm. to continue forward with the story. Right. But but in a lot of ways, you learned it was, was shown, not told, and you learned right. the world building through the day to day character interactions. Yeah, which is definitely preferable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Then once the story starts, it's the the machinists, which are the rebels, uh, versus the protectorate. Right. And how, and that whole struggle is who should have access to technology. Yeah, and, and it's funny because you mentioned the devil. You know. Um, there's definitely a um, a question of well, let's say the machinists win this this uh, fight. Well, then they have access to technology. What's to say that they're not going to be just as horrible as the protectorate? Mm -hmm. There's no there's no valve. All it is is, is a shifting right. of um, access to the means of production as opposed to re real social change. Right, and it seems to me that that Kehas decision was and it was very much in line with kind of the the grand abbot from the beginning was not to you know cause grand social change but to kind of keep an equilibrium well i mean if you look at the history of um like china mm -hmm. japan um when the revolution happens and it happens again and again and again right um really it's meet the new boss same as the old boss Oh yeah, until you know, until fairly recently, in both cases, right? Um, you know, with the with the Me the Meiji Restoration, even even that, right? And know, and it and wasn't until after Army. World War Two. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until after World War Two where where you know people in Japan were you know it freer, I guess. Right, and and in much the same vein. The underlying social conflict in this in this world is between in the old way, which is the protectorate, where every all the technology you have lots of advanced stuff, but it's all done through the tensorate, which is under the thumb of the protector. Whereas you know the machinists are looking for ways to make technology accessible to everyone else. Well, kind of. They're looking for ways to make technology accessible outside of the protectorate but you you still get the feeling uh because it's a hierarchy that that you know some people are going to have more access than others All right seize the means of production yes exactly um so so yeah maybe the decision at the end was was pragmatic mm -hmm. um to 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 keep things going um yeah so maybe you're right maybe it's a little unsatisfying that even though it's more realistic <laughs> that uh, that the rebels aren't there for everyone. They're really just in it for you know, themselves, yeah. their, their own group. And, and that's the way rebellions work. Um, you know, it's, we like to think of any type of resistance or rebellion to any kind of status quo or oppression or tyranny are, are out there for the little guy, but they're not, they're really there just to, ensconce themselves in power and when you have power there's also corruption right but this the is only, not one the of the only famous... rebellion the only rebellion that was in it for the little guy was was in a galaxy far far away well even then 
even then it wasn't because you know the rebellion in Star Wars was about going back to the old way of doing things. That was going back to the going, Republic. Going back to the Republic, and and we saw in the prequels how effective that was. Right. And we saw in in Episode Seven and 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 eight as well how effective the old way of government was. I mean, you know, eight we learned that uh, the rich, wealthy folks back are back in both sides. Because they're gonna, they want to stay in their spot, right? They want to continue in the, their gambling and and horse espy mm-hmm. racing, right? I forgot what those things were called, space horses. But that was the Black Tides of Heaven by J.Y. Young. Uh, go out and pick it up. Who is it published by, Steve? Tom Doherty. And it's- All right, and we'll have a Amazon link in the description. Yeah. Uh, we'll also throw up a link to J.Y.'s website so you can. Check them out. Until next time, keep 30 luck points. Would have done them good yesterday. That's right. (laughs) Peace. Peace.